0: this is the liberator podcast from giant worldwide welcome to advanced base camp but what we're doing is our intention is that you go to a completely another level of life of leadership of intentionality and we're really just your guides that's all we are we're just sherpas welcome to the liberator podcast episode number seven my name is jeremy kubachak and i'm here with the amazing Steve Cockrum. I always give you adjectives, I've just noticed that. I'm always talking about how amazing you are, Steve. Uh, I but you like, are. I usually like adjectives
1: in the plural, Jeff, um, Jeremy. You only gave me one there, amazing. Did you it? call me Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> you spoke your name wrong on the screen, but there we go. No, it's great to be with you, Jeremy. You are talented, witty, incredibly charming, and basically the finest
0: connector I know in the world. There you go, oh, can I say that anything else? That feels good, okay. No, that feels great, actually. Um, Good. Maybe offline you can share a little bit more. Um, (laughs) So, hey, man, you made it back. You're back from the United States. You had another great trip. Tell tell the audience what in the world we did last week, and and where were you standing? Well, once Giant One had landed at Atlanta Airport, and we'd kissed the tarmac on the
1: way out, um, basically, we had, didn't we? I joined the end of some associate training, so another amazing group of giants going through our kind of training program so it was really good to be able to meet with them we had some our usual dinners and you are the the world leader on using meals for transformation there you go there's another compliment for
0: you we had a celebration Uh, dinner was that what we called it yeah it was uh it was a celebration dinner it was a future dinner wasn't it No, it was celebration anyway we've had we had like eight dinners so i can't remember (laughs) which one
1: it's amazing i stay so thin so you know Uh, with all these dinners maybe maybe that's where I'm going wrong but we then we then had the huge privilege um you and I obviously um of of basically leading out the first ever Leadercast labs um in Atlanta on the Thursday afternoon so instead of just doing the big show on the Friday they had some up and coming talent I think is the description where we got to share some of our content I did uh, a keynote on voices and You did an even better one than I did on Gears and we just rocked the house and the thing we love most about America is they love their celebrities so we had a book and I spent most of the afternoon kissing babies and signing books and basically feeling like a bit of a star
0: so you know obviously I struggle with that Jeremy the problem was that you signed that baby's forehead with a sharpie and the lady you, promise back you, it, you wouldn't she mention get that it off. apparently
1: it came <laughs> off eventually and the child stopped crying by, <laughs> by about dinner time but yeah it, it was it wasn't it wasn't seamless but it was great and we had some great met some great people and uh Duane cummins who will probably never listen to this podcast but if he does he was incredibly kind and uh, spent a lot of time him and kim helping us think through from his experience how how speaking works and how that industry works but we had all our giants with us, and then Friday was um, Leadercast itself, wasn't it? Which was spectacular. Yeah, was, I think
0: would be one word. What was what's fun um, having led Leadercast for, you know, seven and a half years, eight years. Um, it was really surreal to, to watch it and actually to be there and. Uh, it was actually quite nice. I remember walking in that day going, oh, I felt the pressure that Keith and the team feel mm. in running it. And I don't have that responsibility anymore. So it was actually really, really nice. But, yeah, uh, yeah they did a great job. Um, what a great lineup. And uh, if you haven't experienced it, at LeaderCast.com, take a look. Um, if you want to do a host site next year or be involved, it's really, really a powerful concept. So, and, yes, um, sir. So here, oh, and, go ahead. No, we must
1: give a shout out to Jordan, one of our, Sort of team, because we had the finest booth at the entire leader cast gathering. We must have had—I don't know how many—hundreds and hundreds of people came. But I signed up for an awful lot of things um, with the, our neighbours, um, and I don't know how to break this to you, but maybe online. I think I signed up for eleven hours in a private jet for us. So. Um, I put it on your Amex. So if you notice something for $11,500, that's what. Oh no, I know, I lied. $110,000, that's what it was. So just thought I'd do it live so that people would, you wouldn't be able to tell me off a bit like we do in front of the children.
0: The, I want to share this with the audience for all of you listening. Um, it's really dangerous to give a, a British person um, any type of opportunities and entrepreneurial <laughs> activity, especially when they get like excited when steve Cockroach gets excited like he was all last week it was like christmas every day he's running around just giddy because he knew that there was no one who was going to take his legs out from under him he had total there you free reign to be an american last week and he go. did a really really good job <laughs> you're
1: kind i always say i'm a i'm an american in exile in britain with a british passport and they co- occasionally they let me come back over to remind myself of uh and my love of the American culture and people. So yeah, you make me feel uh, you make me feel very very welcome. And um, you know, I think that English accent helps, Jeremy. Apparently, it makes me sound a lot cleverer than I actually am.
0: Well, especially if people would find out that you're actually from Ohio, that that's, you're not you're not really British. <laughs> that's so That's not the, true. The, that's that. not true. The, the Should really, we get to the
1: the, the the really annoying thing? Of course, for Americans, is it doesn't work the other way. So when you came over to England, everyone thinks your IQs just dropped by about twenty-five points. So you know, it's the one thing—it's the one thing in the world we have a competitive advantage on the Americans. On so, yes, unless I guess we better do the, get on with our
0: podcast at some point. Unless I do the Dick Van Dyke. Um, oh, good. Welcome to the Liberator Podcast. Yeah, that didn't work. So here we go. Let's get into it. Today we're going to talk about the four Cs to unlocking trust. Now you've never heard the word four Cs probably before, but we. Uh, we've, we have something we've created years ago. In fact, um, I think it was 12, 11 years ago, somewhere in there. Um, I worked with one of our clients and great friends and partners, Brandon Hutchins, out of Marietta, Georgia, to help. He asked the question, Jeremy, how in the world do you influence people? Because I watched you, and he was pulling from unconscious competence, and on a board, I simply laid out two stick figures, you and the other person, how do you get to influence with that person? And today we're gonna to talk about the first step of this, the first stage, which are the four C's, which um, are really the four C's to unlocking trust. So what do you have to do? So here's the four areas. One, actually they're kind of a combination. So if you, if you picture uh, stage one, stage two, there's character and chemistry, and then there's competency and credibility. And we're going to talk about both of those. The first thing is character and chemistry and then competence and credibility. And what we found, if you're going to unlock influence or get to trust with people, unlock trust, is that you've, you've got to do both of these things. They both have to happen. You have to have character and chemistry and you have to have competence and credibility. The interesting thing, though, is the person you're talking with, it could be very different. If you're talking to a thinker, then the first stage is going to be competency and credibility followed by character and chemistry. And if you're talking to a feeler, it would be the opposite. You would start with character and chemistry and then lead to competency and credibility. So Steve, why don't you share maybe some of the the bones mm. underneath each one of these, um, these four C's. Yeah, that's really good, Jeremy. I think it's realizing that
1: people are asking these questions of you whenever you meet people without ever articulating it this way. And what we found is if we can make always the unconscious competence, competent competence, or conscious competence, we can let others in. So here is my first attempt, or first attempt to show you this. So think for a moment, imagine you're meeting somebody for the first time. These are the things which are either consciously or subconsciously going on. So character means this. You're asking the question is, do I trust you? Are you a person of integrity? And character is one of those first filters that if you don't get past that one, you will never have trust and you'll never, because of that, have influence. But if you can unlock the character piece where they go, I think you're a person of integrity, I trust you, chemistry is the next um, key to unlock really, which chemistry means this, do I like you? Do I enjoy being with you? Do I connect with you? Because if people are gonna work with you or people are gonna kind of relate to you in some way, there usually has to be some degree of chemistry where they go, Do you know, I could really see this relationship growing over an extended period of time. So if we unlock both of those two areas, the next one they'll come to is competence, which is this. They'll say, are you competent? Are you confident in your competence? And do you have a proven track record of success? So that's the third filter that they'll be asking. And then lastly, probably the one that is most relevant to the the world in which we live now, credibility is this. can you take your competence and skills and expertise and can you understand my reality, my challenge, my vision, what it is I'm trying to achieve and design a solution using your competence so that actually I feel you're in my corner, you're for me, you're becoming part of my team and you're designing almost a bespoke solution which truly tells me this isn't just something you've done everywhere before This is you creating a credible solution to my real issue that maybe me, my team, organization, is dealing with right now. And if you can unlock those four Cs sequentially and establish trust, what Jeremy had in your original influence model was the idea that you will always be able to get transaction if people trust you. Do you want to carry on a little bit on that one, Jeremy?
0: Yeah, so think about it. Most (laughs) Half of the world has character and chemistry, and the other half of the world has competency and credibility. So if, let's just say if you're an employee, uh, if you're looking for a job, then to establish trust uh, would be, um, you know, if you're looking for a new job, it would be establishing character and chemistry and competence and credibility, those in conjunction. Or if you're trying to get a new client, or if you're trying to influence a, a boss, uh, you can easily, under the four C's, see where you stand with people. So if you're having an issue with someone, you can actually use this to figure out why hasn't, why don't you have trust? Why are you not having influence with, with someone? Why is there not an opportunity for you? Well, do they see that you don't have character in chemistry or do they see that you don't have the competency or credibility? Mm-hmm. And it's really a, a, a great tool to help frame and help people understand where they stand with people and maybe where they uh, may be off-putting.
1: Mm-hmm. And we've basically, I mean, over the last few weeks, we've been talking a lot about the voices and the different things they champion. That each, each voice brings something unique to the table. Whether they're championing the, you know, the nurturers, relationships, relational harmony, values, the creative, that future orientation, social conscience, organizational integrity. I hope you're getting these by now. Guardians would ch- uh, champion the truth, systems, processes, structures, and tradition connectors, the relational networks, the kind of messaging, the collaboration internally and externally. And pioneers will often champion winning, taking the tough decisions, and that strategic direction. And what we found is that depending on your foundational voice, you will have a different issue and different challenge in unlocking each of those four C's because nobody is naturally good at all of them immediately apart from one voice, and this is your favourite bit, Germany, I know, we found that connectors, whenever they meet someone, whether that's on the aeroplane, whether that's first time over coffee, the connector above all of the other foundational voices unlocks trust almost instantaneously with people. And it's a very precious gift and it explains why you're so good usually at first impressions and why people want to buy things from you and connect. What we found, though, is that we'll do connectors first this time, is the connector, the real issue for them as a leader, is not establishing trust, it's maintaining trust for the long term. Because what happens with most connectors are, in their desire to sell the future that they think is compelling, they will often have a tendency to over-promise and underdeliver. And so over time, people, it's not the chemistry, it's not even the competence or credibility, People begin to ask the question which is, I really like you and I really believe you believe in what you're saying, but I'm not sure I can trust that you're actually gonna deliver what it is you say you're gonna deliver. So the big issue for connectors, if your first voice is connector, it's always understanding you have an advantage, you unlock all the four C's immediately with people, but it's maintaining that character piece where people ask, are you a person of integrity? Do I trust you? And in under pressure, when I lean on you, are you gonna be there? Or is it really a little bit of smoke and mirrors? And in some ways, I have to learn, I like you, I enjoy being with you, but I'm not gonna trust you with the very biggest decisions and the
0: difficult places in my life.
1: Jeremy, do you wanna talk to the connector briefly?
0: yeah so the connectors excitement their exuberance their opportunistic view um it can be taken as transactional Mm -hmm. when the the purity of a connector is they're actually trying to connect the aspirations of a person to a future so uh, it, it can be perceived as uh oh you're just you're always doing something you're always working on something or you said something completely different to that guy what you told me well, the connector's a translator, so they're always thinking of the best language, so it can sound like a schlocky salesman. And mm. I get that all the, a lot of times, especially in my past. More, the more immature I've been, uh, the, the more that's aggravated. But the, the whole idea is, uh, of a connector is that they can build character because people, again, they're easy to talk to, they're socially conscious, they're, they're, they're one of those that they can move in and out of, of conversations very quickly so this is
1: remember this is by nature we're talking here so it's not defining you it's saying probably where the growth has been so that was really helpful so let's take the nurturer next so everyone loves nurturers so when it comes to character do i trust you are you a person personal integrity every nurture passes that test immediately they are always for others and chemistry Again, everyone likes the nurturer. I mean, they're very likable people. Some of the pioneers struggle because they feel they've got to be on their best behavior and they can't really say anything inappropriate without offending people. But on the whole, chemistry is not the issue. But what we found is for nurturers, competency is the big barrier to trust and influence. Now hear this, that's not what saying nurturers are not competent. They're usually incredibly competent and hugely conscientious. But if you think of those three questions, are you competent? are you confident in your competence and do you have a proven track record of success? Every nurturer I know struggles to boast in all of their achievements. Because when it comes to telling how amazing the clients you've worked with, the achievements you've had, a nurturer will always understate what it is they've achieved for fear of appearing arrogant. And because of that sometimes, the person starts to go, well, you don't sound like you're as confident in your competence as I thought you were gonna be. So that, ironically, the nurture in their desire to appear humble, in their desire not to push themselves forward, often raises red flags for people that really weren't there, because they were going, well, I thought you, gosh, I thought five minutes ago, you were world class at what you do, but you know, you don't sound like you totally believe that about yourself because in the end, the nurturer has that deep-seated fear of ever appearing proud or arrogant, which means competence is one of the things that people will often challenge.
0: Yeah, so the, the, the confidence, or the lack of confidence, I mean, it, it, can, it can really be unnerving, especially to a leader, because a leader is always tapping on people going, hey, do I trust you? Not, not mm-hmm. do I just trust you, but are you taking initiative? And the lack of, a, of confidence can look like a lack of initiative, or buy-in, or excitement, and so they usually get passed over from leadership positions. Mm. So, if you want to in, increase your influence to to coworkers or to those that you work with, then it's be, you know raising your voice appropriately. But the nurturer is not gonna is not gonna be too loud. In <laughs> fact, when they think they're being loud, it's just barely audible.
1: Mm. I often say to a nurturer, if you if you're a nurturer listening to this, every time I meet you, I'm going to ask, what are you really brilliant at? And what are the achievements in your life that you're really proud about? And if you keep asking your nurturers those two questions, you'll find that in the beginning they're very reticent to give you an answer. But if they can practice hearing it out loud and you encourage them enough, eventually they will get over the barrier because they're massively competent in what they do, but they just don't somehow communicate it as
0: clearly or as confidently perhaps as some of the other voices. And that's not boasting, nurturers. Um, <laughs> no. is, boasting is d- different than, than confidence. And I think there's a, a really uh, two words, secure confidence. What does yeah. secure confidence look like? Yeah. And if you get there, then raise your voice appropriately uh, to that secure, confident level. Good stuff, Joe. So let's do
1: guardian next. So guardians, when it comes to character, guardians are people of such integrity and authenticity and almost like rod-like consistency. Character's never the issue. People, if a guardian says they're gonna do something, they will, and basically they will work very hard at it. The same, interestingly, with competency. So a guardian is always defining themselves through achievement and the reliability to deliver under pressure. Once a guardian said they'll deliver something, you can guarantee that they will have not only delivered, but they'll have worked incredibly hard to master all of the skill sets. But the barrier to unlocking trust for most guardians is chemistry. Because in the end, those questions do I like you? Do I connect with you? Do I enjoy being with you? Most guardians, as they're growing up, can be so task focused, they really don't know how to connect with people at anything outside a task related world. So, what we would call maybe third gear or second gear the capacity to go beyond work and actually develop relationship, people go, you know, I like you, and you're really competent when we're doing work, but you know, you're a real bore when we're trying to have a drink around the bar and all you're talking about is the spreadsheet and the numbers and the, the margin of what's there. So chemistry, we found, is one of the, the primary barrier to
0: unlocking trust for a guardian. And the interesting part about the guardian, too, is that their their desire, especially the immature guardian or an insecure guardian, is they so want to be valued for what they know, so what happens then is they try to prove what they know by over-communicating or over-sharing or giving documents that aren't relevant. They're really trying to prove what they know, so it comes across as a know it allism mm-hmm. and no one really like, likes know-it-alls. So a mature guardian provides Exactly what's needed. They're helping be a resource, and they're being relevant. An immature guardian again can come across as a know-it-all.
1: Now, let's do let's do pioneer um, before we move to the creative. So pioneers are obviously perfect and have no issue with any of these things, Jeremy. So we can probably just move straight on, I guess. Of
0: course, no, it, it kind of fits this conversation <laughs> so
1: far. I'm being a stereotype. I'm being a stereotype. So pioneers inherently have an innate sense of confidence in pretty much most things but particularly in their competence and their problem-solving strategic skills. So competence and credibility are rarely the things that people question in the Pioneer. Sadly, in the Pioneer, the people always ask this question, do I really trust you? Um, When when it looks like you've created a win-win, I've often said Pioneer's created the win-win concept, and what they really mean is this, I've created an agreement, or a contract, where you look at it and think that we've both won, but in six months from now, you're gonna look at it and realize that I was slightly cleverer than you were, and you have won a little, but I've won enough to make it feel that i won the battle. So with pioneers, it's always the question of going, do you know, I know you're clever, and I know you're very strategic, and think of these things, are you for yourself more than you're for me? And that character issue is often quite difficult to overcome in those early years when the pioneer is so keen to prove themselves and how competent they are and they forget that basically they don't need to compete against their own team or against pretty much everyone that's in their world any any of that help jeremy
0: yeah so i mean the pioneer they're in their minds they live in their minds and and they see a future and so they're they're really brilliant strategists so what's happening to the, when you run into a pioneer they've probably, be, probably been thinking about things that you haven't been. So they're thinking about uh, people, they're thinking about resources, they're thinking about budgets, they're thinking about strategies, they're thinking about ideas. They're, they're thinking of all those things. So when, they, when they, someone asks them their opinion, they confidently share all that they've been thinking internally as if you know they've got the plan, which they do. So what's really interesting about that is most people haven't thought as much about it. So a pioneer can get really frustrated mm. at other people because they can look like have you not thought about this at all? Do you not even have you not even, you know, are you are you not smart? So it comes across mm. sometimes as arrogance, sometimes as condescension. So the con- uh, condescending tone that a pioneer can give can really shut people down, mm. but it's really just because the pioneers got the strategy already put, figured out in their head. That was really good for you, Jeremy. Well done. No, I'll Uh, just give give you an example.
1: That's actually really, really good. So pioneers is always character. They've got to get over that first filter. And in some ways, if you don't get over that, pioneers can often get frustrated that their competence doesn't seem to be valued in the way they think it ought to. And what people are really saying is it's not I don't think you're competent. I think your competence is actually an issue because I'm not sure I trust you in how you exercise it. So that's a growth area for Pioneers. Sometimes you have to and one, choose to lose.
0: And one more on that, Steve. It's almost two, because the Pioneer has uh, put so much emphasis on one project or one initiative, then they can quickly move to another initiative. Mm. So they can move, but everyone else remembers how loud, or the weapon that they use, the grenade launcher. So everyone mm. else has a scar or they've been blistered by the Pioneer in a conversation. Well, the Pioneer is is able to keep those separate. They can compartmentalize. Well, that's business and personal. Those are two different things. But to your point, character and chemistry is such an issue because people remember the last thing that, that happened with Pioneer.
1: Good. I don't recognise any of those things, obviously in our business partnership. So that's good. Oh, uh, Steve, I've got. You're, you're right. So I've got a whole slew of notes. Are we finished, or we want to no, keep talking no, no. about? I've this? got. I've got a new weapon called the <laughs> flamethrower, because I think that's another <laughs> upgrading my grenade launcher. So let's do. Let's do lastly the creative voice, and this is the one where we've we've had to, in many ways, create two types of creative. So there's the feeler and the thinker. So those of you who are very relational, idealistic, um, compassionate, sensitive to people. That's what we would call the creative feeler. And for the creative feeler, it's not character, it's not chemistry even, it's usually competence that is the main barrier. Because what you remember we said before is when a creative opens their mouth, usually what comes out first isn't really what they mean. So therefore, people are waiting for the creative who they really like, and they're really impressed by, and they've got a track record, and they go, wow, this is great. And then the creative feeler opens their mouth, and what comes out bears no resemblance to what it was they thought they were gonna hear, and they go, oh, well, why are you talking about that? And what you'll find is the immature creative feeler, once they start feeling insecure in the relationship, they just keep talking, and they go off on tangents, And the thing about it, some voices will find their way back to the road eventually when they meander off it. In our experience, the creative feeler just keeps talking and it just gets worse. So in some ways, I often say to my creative feeler friends, the absence of structure is not freedom, it's chaos. And so many creative feelers will undermine the trust people have in their skills and competence and who they are. Because they don't plan what it is they're going to say out loud. I sound like a school teacher, Jeremy. So it's only because I care about
0: them. Anything on creative feelings for you? No, just I mean the Hulk component of this. Just so what happens? They can they can actually lose influence and lose trust by one Hulk moment, <laughs> uh, because they basically have Hulked out on people and they they've blown up their credibility uh, mm. simply because um, they've they've gotten so emotional and so passionate, but. they just often haven't shared their expectation or or gotten it out. Mm. So it's this narrative in their head. It's like a whole movie in their head, but no one knows what's going on. It's good.
1: And I feel their pain. Um, So creative thinkers, on the other hand, so if you're a creative first voice, but you tend to be very rational, logical, analytical, and slightly impersonal, then it's not character again, because the creative is a person of enormous integrity and the alignment of... Who I am, what I say, what I do is a big driver for them. But for the creative thinker, chemistry is the problem. For the simple reason is, again, what comes out of their mouth first isn't usually what they mean. And because they've got a high velocity sniper rifle, um, what they say first really isn't what they mean and it hurts the people, or worse than that, can actually end the conversation because no one hears anything left because most of the other voices in the team or the family don't have the Guardian's Kevlar body armor. So most people kind of go, oh, the creative thinker, they're very clever. They don't tend to say a great deal, and when they do, it's, it kind of like is painful sometimes watching them in those initial social environments. So the creative thinker chemistry is their primary barrier to unlocking trust with people because people just don't get them and they don't seem comfortable in that relational um, space. They'd much rather be in their head doing their intellectual problem solving.
0: Yesterday I met with one and um, I was helping this this person kind of unlock a couple of frustrations and they were dealing with their house and they, they had a contractor who didn't do what they thought they were gonna do and then he got a bill and the bill was just astronomical. And he was so frustrated, and so I explained. All right, so you had this grand scheme, you had blueprints in your head. Did he fully understand them? Hmm. And it basically came out like, uh, probably not. We didn't get it all out. I'm like, so, all right, you didn't share all of your expectations. You didn't share all of it. So then he used sniping. He used uh, sarcasm <laughs> and wit yep. the whole entire time. Just as so, sarcasm was his main. And so now there's tension and they have a meeting today and they're so tense because the creative thinker just was not able to get it all out specifically and and share it. And that can be a frustration for the creative. It can also be a frustration on the other side because it doesn't feel like uh, anything is ever right. In fact, one last story. This person goes, you know, that reminds me of the time my my sophomore year in college, my roommate blew up at me because he said, can anything ever be good enough? Is anything good enough for you? Mm. And for the creative thinker, oftentimes it's not, because they have this masterpiece in their head and they're purist, mm. and people aren't connecting uh, or, or things that don't happen to, to the view in your head. That's when the sarcasm and that mm. um, wit can come
1: out. So you know, we talk about know yourself to lead yourself. Um, here's the thing none of us are naturally people who unlock all of those four sequential filters of trust. So whichever one is your challenge, it won't go away. Tendencies don't change, but what you can do is once you're aware of where the growth is, you can actually begin to decide, I don't want to be defined by that, and what happens then is we we can encourage people, and we encourage ourselves to grow in maturity so that we can really become people who are trustworthy And once we've unlocked trust, as we'll see next time we gather, that's really where the opportunity for true influence actually happens. So there's your four C's, um, character, chemistry, competence, credibility. Ask yourself, where do you struggle most? And hopefully maybe use some of the clues from the foundational voice descriptions we've just given you to take something and work on it. Write it down, share it with a friend, ask them, do you see this in me? Do you watch these experiences and most times people go "Yep, absolutely so that's our challenge
0: for today and remember if you see someone who's a feeler uh, then going to character and chemistry is appropriate then Mm. follow competency and credibility if you know someone is more logical more of a thinker then competency credibility is going to be the first part and then you back into character and chemistry So this is all a process It actually, um, this is in uh, my first book called Making Your Leadership Come Alive, or Leadership is Dead, it's the same book. Uh, So if you wanna go deeper in that, then that's one one place you can find it. Uh, Also, you know, we've been saying this, some of you uh, may have not, uh, you don't know what your voice is, and so there's a quiz at fivevoices.com. If you wanna find and take the Five Voices assessment to find out what your leadership voice is, then fivevoices.com, there's a free quiz that will give you that. So um, Steve, why don't you talk a little bit about the Five Voices uh, 60 Day Team Challenge and maybe share what we we're sharing at LeaderCast Labs.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so uh, Voices is something which pe- we're getting fantastic feedback from, so thank you for those of you who are writing to us and putting on social media. Um, it's just simple and people get it, but it's actually pretty profound in that you speak all five voices, Um, it's just some are heard more than others. And what we've done is created almost a kind of response really to what people are asking, how do I get this stuff into my team? Um, This seems like a great opportunity for us to take our team to another level in the way they communicate, the way they relate to each other. So we're, we're saying to some of you, why don't you take the 60 day challenge with your team? What does it look like? Well we do, first of all, we do a day away with your team uh, where we really drill down into the depth of the uh, five voices content for a day with the team. And then basically over the period of each month of the two months, we'll do a number of what we call core groups. So we'll do some small group discussion to make sure we make sure that learning keeps going in. And every member of the team gets a one-to-one each month. So we're actually applying what they're learning directly into their own leadership and as a team. And we do that the same in month two and we finish with a finale day where what we do is we gather with the team to review um, what progress has been made to kind of maybe do some troubleshooting on issues. And we also agree what would next steps look like for the team if they were really gonna move to the next level. And then the final thing is we do a workshop in the afternoon for everyone in the organisation who wants to engage with Five Voices. So, you know, obviously rooms tend to limit how many people you can have in, depending on the organisation. But that's 60 days where a giant gets to come and work with you and your team. You get a chance to really put this transformational content into your vocabulary language and it will unlock and allow you to have some very, very interesting, honest conversations, which we find tend to get submerged and buried in the everyday rough and tumble of team life. So if you're interested in the 60-Day Team Challenge, just um, send us an email. Um, I'm not quite sure where we're going to send it, but you may know, Jeremy. How do they get hold of us if they want to do the 60-Day Team Challenge?
0: Is it on the website? Uh, It would would just, if you'll send an email to um, jordan at giantworldwide.com. Great. Uh, That's one. and Or on the fivevoices.com, there's a place where you can submit or send that. I think that the reality is is that we have a, we've just seen the frustration of people taking a book, like the Five Voices book is so good, but if you don't do anything with it, then it's just another book on a shelf. And we're helping people actually raise their level of teamwork, raise their level of team. So uh, there's a diagnostic that Steve mentioned, and that's one of the, pro- the processes, the 100x diagnostic will be a part of it. You take it and you, you find out how your team is doing, and if your team is out of 70, how do you get them to a 90? If your team is out of 50, how do you get them to an 85 plus? That's what we're trying to accomplish here. So, hey, as always, uh, it's fun to be with you all. Uh, we, we love, hopefully this has been helpful. Hopefully this is encouraging. And we're excited to share uh, more as we continue this process of how to maximize your influence and using the five voices to do that. So this is the Liberator podcast. Steve, you got a last comments from L- London today? No, just to say how much I've enjoyed it again, Jeremy,
1: and uh, value your voice. And also to say it's sunny in London today. So um, that's a—I know it's an incredible surprise, but there are occasional days when we see that golden ball in the blue sky. So we're going to enjoy that this evening. But no, really good to be here and really good again to share some of the things that we've been learning over the years in our own life and leadership.
0: For you all, thank you so much. Appreciate it and have a great day. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. That concludes today's episode of the Liberator podcast from Giant Worldwide. You can find out more information about us online at giantworldwide.com.